is up to date in Kansas City. They've gone about as far as they can go. Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New York City jazz vocalist and recording artist Audrey Silver. We caught up with her about her new 2023 CD called Oklahoma. With a growing catalog of outstanding recordings and a warm, swinging performing style, she stands as one of the most elegantly creative singers in jazz today. Known for what hot house jazz is called in an extraordinary artistry and a velvet-laden timber with impeccable phrasing, she has more recently become known for her compelling takes on well-known pop tunes and her own poignant originals, as seen in Oklahoma. From her base in Connecticut, we dig into her history, passion, future, and so much more. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Great to meet you. Great to see you. Thanks. I appreciate you. Yeah, same here. So before we get into Oklahoma, which has yes. a Kansas City track on it, which is wonderful because that's where we're coming out of. Um, oh, I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you kind of have the theme back there. It looks like you got uh, you got the clouds and the cow. Is that what that is? Yeah, it is yeah. clouds and the cow. Definitely. Okay. Right on. Well, I mean, hey. I'm in Connecticut right now. I'm not in New York City at the moment. So. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, before we get into your album, Oklahoma, I want to cover COVID. It really did a, a deal on everybody, especially musicians. How did you survive it? And how has it changed you now that you're, you know, we're kind of in this post-pandemic era? I kind of, I, I sort of hunkered down. I couldn't think in terms of the future. Um, I couldn't think in terms of performances. I couldn't think in terms of, you know, even even getting this album done, I, I sort of I sort of put it on hold during COVID, but I did decide that it was a, a time to like really learn new things, and you know, like which so so I kind of like I I kind of sent myself back to school. I um I took a bunch of online um like courses on 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 mixing and mastering and. Uh, uh, a few songwriting courses. I found a new voice teacher. I um, I wrote some music. I learned to play the ukulele. I uh, you know th- that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and in the beginning, you know, my son moved back home with his girlfriend, and so I it was like it was actually a huge gift because I got this time with him that that you know. I never would have had otherwise. So, so, you know, a lot of the beginning was just sort of, you know, feeding my family and that, you know, and making sure that we got food in and, and that everyone was safe. So, um, so that was the, the, the big preoccupation to even think, you know, actually I wrote one song right in the beginning of the, of the epidemic. My husband, who is not a poetic man, walked by me one day, you know, within the first few weeks and he handed me this poem and it was, so beautiful. I, I like, I, and so, and so of course I immediately had to set it to music. So that, so I, so I did that, but um, yeah, that was sort of my, you know, like, like a cathartic moment when I was feeling all the stress. Cause you know, being in New York city during the beginning of COVID was really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about Oklahoma. How did this project come about? How does it feel, you know, to kind of have it out now with the world opening up? Um, I, well, I came about because I, I, you know, I, I grew up in New York city and my dad grew up just outside of the city and like it's, it's, so it's like, and my grandmother was 
very into culture. So it's three generations of people going to Broadway shows um, all of the time. So, so I, I saw, you know, every musical that came out, my parents would take me to because they were really, they loved them and they weren't as expensive as they are now. (laughs) And, um, and we, we always had the soundtracks from everything. So we had soundtracks, you know, going down back to the, you know, to the forties. And that was one of the ways that I, you know, spent my time in the world, you know, as we remember it long before social media, I get you know, to spend hours with the record player, just putting on, you know, one of those after another. So, um, so I, I loved, I loved the musicals. I you know, I know, like I learned, I learned all of the standard repertoire that's based on Broadway musicals, you know, as a kid. And, um, and, I don't know, I don't know why, but somewhere around the age of 10, I fell in love with the musical Oklahoma. I think maybe, maybe I saw the movie. I don't know. But so when I had my, my birthday party, my 10th birthday, I think it was 10th. Yeah. My, I had my parents, I asked my parents if they could show Oklahoma to everybody for my birthday. And, and they did. So it's always been like a, you know, a musical that I loved and that I've thought about and that I've, you know, like, you know, and all the music from it is so gorgeous. And uh, so when I was coming up with an idea for this next album, it actually started off as a little bit of a marketing concept because I was trying to get myself booked in California and people were saying in the clubs, they were saying, you know, we really like her music, but we don't know whether, you know, she's got enough of a draw out here. So I thought, okay, so my name's not the draw. Maybe the project has to be the draw. And then I thought, you know, people do albums all the time. Rodgers and Hammerstein albums. They do, you know, Cole Porter albums. But not everybody knows who these composers are. Everybody knows Oklahoma. And I wasn't even sure that it was doable, actually, at first, because there are a lot of songs that really don't, you know, they're, they're too much, they're too involved in, you know, driving plot and not sort of general enough to, to, to work as standards. But I think, um, I think, I think, uh, you know, that was part of the challenge and part of what made it fun was just figuring out if it was, you know, if I could do it and be happy with the way things turned out. And, um, I had a great partner in it. Yeah. Bruce Barth. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bruce is great. So let's dig a little bit into your history. You mentioned going to Broadway and, and growing up in New York. What got you into music? What was it that impelled you to become a musician? Oh, well, I mean, I was one of those kids that was singing all the time, you know, and I was teaching my cousins songs when we were little and my, my siblings. And, and um, so I was, you know, I think, you know, at any point in my life, if you asked me what I wanted to be, I would have said a singer, but I, I, you know, I started taking piano lessons at a young age. I took them for about 10 years and, and I played the cello for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, sang in every choir and chorus. So, so it, it, I, I kind of let it go when I got out of college because I didn't really feel like I was good enough at any of those things. And I thought, okay, you know, I'll be close to music. And I worked in the, in the record business and then I worked in advertising. And, but, um, after my son was born, I, I, uh, decided I liked being home with him and I started getting back into music again. And that was when I, that was when I started singing once more. 
So what was the first live jazz show that that just blew your doors off? Well, I used to, when I was in high school, go hear Dick Hyman. Yeah. He played at a place called Hanratty's hmm. in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. And he's very, you know, he's a very traditional pianist, but that was kind of the right level for me at the time. So I, so I, I used to go hear him. And also, Bobby Short, who's not really a jazz performer, but he does that repertoire. Yeah, played regularly at the Carlisle, and we and like when I when I was sixteen, my parents were like, "You want to have a big sweet sweet sixteen party?" And I was like, "No, I actually uh, can we can I take some friends to the Carlisle and hear Bobby Short?" And uh, that was when my parents you know realized I was different. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, um, so I, so I heard a lot of music. I honestly, one of the, I, I'm trying to think about, like, there's so many, I've seen so many mind-blowing shows, but those are the ones that I saw really early on. Yeah, yeah. So before we depart Oklahoma, what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? It's, that's a, such a good question. A new way of relating to the music and hopefully like a, I mean, when I did, when I did, what I did was a lot of research before I did the before I did the recording before we did the arrangements. I read Green Grow the Lilacs, which is the play that the Oklahoma musical is based on, and um, it's the it, it's 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 got music in it actually, but it's all it's mostly Native American songs and then old traditional songs, and there are Native Americans basically everywhere in the in the play. And so after reading that, I was like, wow, what happened? You know, Oklahoma has none of that. It's completely gone. And and so I thought, you know, I don't know that I really feel comfortable doing this musical unless at some point I can, I can you know, allude to the existence of the Native Americans that were there and are still there. And so that was sort of you know, my first thought going in and I, and, and, um, so I, so I, so that's why the first track has Native American flute yeah. and, you know, some Native American harmonies and, and is in a minor key. Cause I was, and, and when I actually, when I, when I had it mixed, I said to the, the mixing engineer, I wanted, I want the flute. The first, when he, when he mixed it, he had the flute way up front. And I said, actually, what I want it to sound like is there's a Native American out there playing the flute somewhere out in the grass, but you can't see him. He's far enough away, but you know that, that he's there. And, um, and so it was, it was a way of sort of setting up what the, you know, a little bit of the, of the, the history and you know, sort of the true history of the state. And um, so I, you know, I put, I, not all of the tracks have that amount of depth to them, but a number of them do. And so I, I felt like it's, you know, it gives people a different way of thinking about the story. Yeah. You know, the one thing about musicians is that, you know, we're all people and we're all waking up and doing these things and living these lives. You've been at this for a while. What is it that motivates you? What is it that you like the best about being a musician that you look forward to the most every day? Um. You know, it's the, it's the thing that brings me more joy than almost anything. Uh, you know, 
I, and I, and I, I also, it's funny because, you know, there were a couple of points when I thought, do I really want to do this? You know, it's, I, I feel like it's a lot of work to get people to come to hear you. And if it's so much work, like, you know, what value are you really adding? Like if you're, you know, when there are so many musicians out there and, and, um, and I, I actually studied with a Native American medicine woman for about 15 years. And one of the things that I learned in the process of learning all of their, you know, spiritual traditions and some of their healing techniques was, was that, you know, I began to believe that, you know, we all have a purpose. We all have something that we're here to accomplish. And I, and I really do believe that my particular purpose is to accomplish something through music and that music actually has a tremendous energy that can impact people in subtle and not subtle ways. So knowing that and believing in that makes me feel extremely happy to, to, to be doing the, the work that I don't love doing. Um, and, you know, in, in, in addition to doing the stuff that I do love. At the end of the day, it's all about this craft, this, this journey that we call jazz. Why do you love jazz? I, I, all I know is that it, it's like it, it's like it lights up my brain. I, um, you know, if I, what, if I'm, if I'm driving the car and I'm feeling tired, the only music that wakes me up is jazz. Yeah. My husband loves to listen to classic rock. And so if he's driving and he's tired, we listen to classic rock. And it's not that I don't like classic rock. I do, but it's not something that keeps me going. Right. But, but, but you know, it's like, it literally, I feel like all the neurons are lighting up and, and, uh, so, so I it, must have, I must have the right wiring for it. Yeah. I agree. I feel like that's such a great description because I feel like it's the same thing for me. It's like a, house at christmas time it's like yeah when you turn on the lights they just all dance and sparkle and everything comes to life it just makes sense and i think it's kind of the way i don't know it's interesting it's kind of the difference between the genders men and women think in different ways but there is definitely lights that flash that go in certain ways and jazz will do that to people that love it you know i kind of equate it to you know kind of you know they always wanted to get people hooked on smoking and there's always that album in the beginning that hooks you on jazz it gives you the habit and you'll keep it for a lifetime. You just want to keep yes. on going, you know? Yes. So, you know, you talked about magnanimous shows that you have been to in your life, but let's say we get off the phone, time machine pulls up in front of your house and you can get in that thing, the jazz DeLorean, punch in the digits and go anywhere. Where are you going? Who are you going to see? I'm blanking on a name. I'm having, I'm having like morning brain. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, Kurt! Oh, uh, are you Rosenwinkel? No, not Kurt Elling? Rosenwinkel. It's actually, it's actually a singer. Elling, Kurt Elling. I, I, I listened to his albums for years, and there were parts of his albums that I absolutely loved, and parts that kind of left me thinking, you know, I, it doesn't feel like quite, you know, quite enough. And then I went to hear him live, and it was. It was the, one of the most amazing shows I have ever seen. They just, I you know, that. it was, I've yeah. heard that before. Like it's utterly transformative, kind of like, yeah, no. So crafted. And so, you know, like, like 
so beautifully paced and like, aside from his incredible abilities and his beautiful voice, the, the, you know, the craft behind his shows are really extraordinary. So I saw him at Joe's pub many years ago and it was really eye opening. I hear, I hear that about Cecile McLaurin Savant, that she has this magic when you get in there that she just kind of. Oh, interesting. Through. I haven't seen her live yet. I have to yeah. do that. Yeah. They say it's, you know, who, who was like that for me? And it's like, it almost kind of reminds me of Kurt. There's kind of this old world bedside manner that's kind of old worldish. I saw Marilyn May about four years ago before the pandemic happened. And it was so cool. Cause like in between when she's talking, the piano player's playing, it's kind of like a mm-hmm. tonight show thing, you know? Yeah. It was really cool. And, you know, she's from Kansas City. Um, the, my engineer for my show, one of my best friends of all time, his name is John Christopher. He does a show called The Neon Beat and it's the American songbook. That's the first song he ever played on his show. So every time, she comes up, he always has a new fact about her. Like, you know, when she, when she was on Johnny Carson, he would sh- jump up out of his chair and say, that's how it's done. He always tells me that story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? I actually haven't, I haven't seen her live and I, and I, you're the second person in just, you know, a matter of weeks to bring her up and say, I, you know, I have to go amazing. do that. She's a Titan for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I kind of mentioned, you know, there's always a person behind the music. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, and fans, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? Is it too early for a therapy question? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a really deep one. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm someone who is, trying to grow and evolve all the time is, you know, always sort of looking and questioning and hoping that, you know, that, that, that each, you know, each day as I move forward, I'm doing things in a, in a, in a, in a more conscious way. I, you know, um, I mean, I sort of, I sort of feel like our whole purpose here is to evolve as people is to grow as people. This is, you know, I've studied, I studied, both Native American spirituality and Kabbalah. And they, they, and what's fascinating is they're basically the same. Um, you know, they're just based on very ancient spiritual, spirituality. Someone else, someone said to me, you know, spirituality is spirituality. Like it, it, it's really kind of one thing wherever you go. But, um, and, uh, so I, so I think I, I think of myself that way. So it's not really a static thing. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, and, and my particular avenue for growth is, you know, through music and through relationships and. Yeah. So if anyone wants to pick up Oklahoma, find out about live shows, anything about your world, where do they go? They go to my website, AudreySilver.com. Um, it should all be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Audrey, this has been great. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for your story and for your music. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure talking to you and, and really great, interesting questions. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers and players in Connecticut, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Audrey for her time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find Neon Jazz interviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the Neon Jazz Top
blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. The rain and never wet your feet. They've gone about as far as they can go. 